0: Happy 2014 everyone. This is Christy Balsell, the Executive Director of MitoAction and uh, excited about our annual town meeting today in January of 2014. We have lots of people joining us today from other Mito organizations and companies and groups to talk about things that are of interest to the mitochondrial disease patient, family, and provider community, so this is a great time to get together and to really, I think, in one meeting hear some of the highlights for the coming year. <clears throat> uh, we have a lot of speakers joining us today, and the way this will work is if you're calling in to listen uh, as a listener and not as a speaker today, you're actually just on mute, so uh, I will not be able to hear your questions or comments until the end. But if you are calling as a speaker, I'll just call on you as we go through our agenda, and we'll ask everyone to um, be respectful of our time limits. We have quite a few people joining us today. Really excited about that. So um, we are also recording this call, so it will be available on the iTunes podcast library. Speakers, I'll just remind you, if for any reason you have background noise, you can also use star six to mute and unmute your phone. Just be sure you unmute it when I call on you so that you can um, speak up. So we'll go ahead and get started. So again, I'm Christy Balzels. I'm the Executive Director of MitoAction. I'm also a mom to a little girl who has mitochondrial disease and uh, really excited to be kicking off 2014 this way with joining us all together. I think that 2013 was a really great year for the mitochondrial disease community, and it gives me a lot of hope about 2014. I think in 2013, despite the challenges that we all had, we also really saw the opportunity to come together as a community. I think that because of social media and because of the opportunity to improve the way we communicate, with each other, patients, to doctors, to researchers, to leaders of biotech, we have a conversation going now and a whole different level of understanding, even amongst our own community, of what mitochondrial disease is and what mitochondrial disease looks like and, and what do our children really need? and what, what do you, the adult patient community, need? And everyone is listening right now, and so that's a great way to begin 2014, to really build on that opportunity that we had to come together in 2013, so I'm very excited about this year. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get started, so uh, I'll just jump right into our agenda, but first let me just welcome all of our speakers, and, and thank you so much for taking your time to join us today. If for any reason you have to jump off the call, you certainly can, and you can call back in using the same info you did before. So I'm going to get started, and we're going to just talk briefly about some MitoAction opportunities and events as we jump into our agenda. So one of the things that I was most excited about in 2013 was MitoAction's first clinical conference, which was targeted towards primary care doctors, nurses, and specialists who knew nothing about mitochondrial disease. Uh, We felt like as a medical advisory board, we've been talking for a long time about how difficult it is for our patient community and families like mine who, when we need help right in our own community through the ER or through our pediatrician or through our, you know, primary care physician, that often those people don't know anything about mitochondrial disease, and so it's a real challenge to try to be the middleman always having to explain everything. So this conference targeted these primary care doctors and nurses and actually offered continuing medical education credits through Tufts University. So I'm really excited because in 2014 we're actually going to be having two of them. Our first one is just around the corner on February 8th in Los Angeles. So I'm really beyond thrilled to have such wonderful speakers such as um, Dr. N, Dr. Bowles, Dr. Lowe and Dr. Haas joining me in Los Angeles to speak to uh, primary care doctors, nurses, and non mitochondrial specialists on February 8th in Los Angeles. And then we'll turn around and have another dynamic meeting with uh, on the East Coast and include uh, Dr. Corson, Dr. Amy Goldstein, Dr. Frank Kendall, and potentially some other physicians at our Boston Mitochondrial Disease Conference, again, helping those community providers on May 3rd. So <clears throat> please keep your eyes and ears open for that. Patients and parents who are calling in, what you can do to help is help us spread the word. It's truly a grassroots effort to get um, these doctors there. And last year when I surveyed the room of nearly 100 participants and I asked them, how many of you are here because, you had a patient ask you to come, over half of the room raise their hand. So really what you do in the community makes a tremendous impact. Um, I'm going to hand the torch now to um, Susan Stover, who is our Director of Events for MITOAction. She's going to talk about a couple things that you should save the date for in 2013 of 2014. Susan, are you with us? I am. Thanks, Christy. Um, 2014 is actually a milestone year in terms of events for MITO Action. On May 3rd, mark your calendars, it will be the fifth annual Derby Day benefit for MITO, which is very exciting. We will be returning to the Nandarin Oriental in Boston. And registration and ticket sales will open February 1st, so mark your calendars for May 3rd for our fifth annual, which is very exciting to be embarking on an event that just continues to grow in its popularity, in its attendance, and in what it can do for MitoAction and for the mitochondrial disease community with the funds that are raised um, to support all the programs. So that is the first big event, and then, even more exciting, in September will be the 10th annual, can you believe it, 10th annual walk and 5K for my election. It will be returning to Mother's Rest this year in Boston, the same location as last year, and registration will open in April for the 10th annual walk. That is going to be on September 14th, so mark your calendars for that. This is a big year. This is a big year for people to really get their teams involved and think about growing the size of their team and growing the presence of spreading the awareness through the community and amongst their friends and families. And we hope that being our 10th year will have a lot of celebration um, going on. And last year in 2013, what was very exciting was in addition to the walk that MitoAction hosted in Boston in September. There were four satellite walks and 5Ks that occurred across the country between September and October to celebrate Mitochondrial Disease Awareness Week as well as um, to help raise funds. We had an event in Maine, an event in Pennsylvania, an event in Georgia, an event in Tennessee, So if there's anyone on the call that's thinking, I want to do something special for this, you know, 10th anniversary, I want to do it somewhere in my community, and you live outside the Boston area, whether you're on the West Coast or in the Midwest, if you're down south, we can help support you to put together an event. So if you have any interest in that, email events at mitoaction.org, or support at mitoaction.org, and we can talk to you about your ideas and how we can support you so that we can have even more milestone events this year. And looking forward to a great year. Thanks so much, Susan. Thanks so much, Susan. So uh, also joining us from MitoAction is Ginger, who many of you also may have spoken with. Ginger, are you with us? Ginger, are you with us? All right. We'll come back to Ginger in a few minutes. So uh, we'll go ahead to now hear from UMDS because I know everyone is looking forward to saving the date for their meeting this summer. Cliff, are you on the line?
1: I am, Christy, and and thanks so much for the opportunity to talk about the, the upcoming symposium. We call it Mitochondrial Medicine 2014, and this year... Um, The symposium is going to be held in Pittsburgh from June 4th to June 7th. And the meeting is important because it brings together clinical and basic science researchers from all over the world who really share an interest in in mitochondrial medicine. And participants come from many fields, including biochemistry, genetics, neurosciences, cancer, diabetes. So really, the, the medical community considers this the meeting of of mitochondrial experts. It's divided, actually, into two different parts, and if if folks have been there, they understand this. One meeting is obviously specific to the scientific and medical community, and that's a place where they can break down the silos and share the information about what they know and what they're doing and how they can learn from others. And that session is June 4th through the 7th. There is also a patient and family meeting, and that occurs uh, later in the week where the topics, Cover education, patient and family support and and it's where we offer a lot of resource tools as well. And for patients and families, the the symposium really is a place to hear and learn important information. During our symposium, um, patients and families meet with others who are just seeking knowledge, who are are very much like themselves. They may be parents or an individual with similar experiences or somebody that looks close to them so they can connect and, and work together. We try to give the patient and family attendees many opportunities to meet some of the top clinical mitochondrial disease specialists from around the world. One of the most popular sessions I can tell you is, is our Ask the Mito Doc sessions and really it's a place where patients or parents of affected children can sign up to meet with a, a number of specialists from around the world to have their questions answered one-on-one and in private. I also want to mention the chair for Mitochondrial Medicine 2014, the chairs are Dr. Jerry Bockley of the University of Pittsburgh and Children's Hospital and Dr. Amy Goldstein of Children's Hospital here in Pittsburgh. And some of the topics that we've, we've confirmed for the family sessions will include, obviously, mitochondrial basics. We present that uh, for a lot of newly diagnosed uh, families. Understanding your lab testing, tips on advocating for yourself and or your child in today's medical world palliative care, exercise, nutrition, pulmonary issues, current therapies, and we're working on a number of other topics. One of the most important things I want to tell patients and parents is that we do offer scholarships to attend this meeting. We offer both full and partial scholarships, and they help defray the cost of travel, the hotel, the meeting itself. We'll be taking scholarship applications shortly, but I would encourage everyone who would like to come but are on a limited budget to apply And where you can do that, I would urge you to check www.undf.org slash symposium. That will take you to the symposium website. And under the heading Family, you will see a drop-down menu for scholarships. And that website also has all of the details on on the upcoming meeting as well. So you'll want to look at that website and, um, and, and see exactly as we refresh topics and add new things and obviously apply for scholarship. We are also holding uh, a regional symposium meeting in Indianapolis at Riley Hospital for Children. Um, The clinical and medical sessions will be on Friday, March 21st. The patient family sessions will be on Saturday, March 22nd. Um, For information on that regional meeting, the web address is www.undf.org slash symposium slash Indy, and that has all of the information there. Looking ahead at 2014 in the areas of patient and family support, we're expecting those activities to grow from, from 2013. Right now, we have uh, roughly 100 UMDF support, educational, and social activities that occurred last year across 23 states. So, we are happy to explore collaborations with other organizations on these. On, who are on this call who would like to collaborate? Um, obviously, feel free to call us or send us an email. Um, our number, obviously, is, is um, 888-317-UMDF, or you can email us at info at UNDF.org. And we will also be continuing our Grand Rounds program through next year. We already have four meetings scheduled for the first quarter. These meetings are critical because they educate hundreds of ph- physicians and clinicians about mitochondrial diseases. We bring in a, 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 a doc, an expert, who can educate medical students, clinicians, physicians in a hospital setting, and tell them about uh, information that they need to know. And if anybody on the call is hosting an educational meeting in 2014 for patients or clinicians, please let us know. We'd be happy to put it on our calendar. People do visit our calendar, and it is a great outreach tool. And you can see the calendar by going to UMDS.org under the tab Find Support, All you have to do is click on Find an Event, and you will see the calendar. We are also planning another Congressional Caucus meeting in April. This follows on the heels of our meeting at the White House last year and uh, making the administration aware of mitochondrial disease and educating members of Congress and the Senate about it. And uh, as as you all mentioned, uh, Mito Awareness Week is, is obviously in September the third week. Uh, we are gearing up for that. We we have seen that grow exponentially. We, we sent out over 80,000 pieces of collateral that week alone. And I think for all of us, it is a, a great opportunity because it spread awareness. All of us get great media coverage during that week, and it's just a great tool we all can use um, in order to spread awareness. And Christy, that's my update.
0: Thank you so much, Cliff. Lots of exciting things um, to share. So we'll update our website with those as well. So thank you so much for joining us.
1: Sure, sure. Thank you.
0: And uh, Ginger, are you with us? I I believe I am. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Okay, Okay. go ahead, Ginger. Ginger's going to talk about about, uh, Social. Go ahead, Ginger. Um, So just going to talk a little bit about our mitosocials. These are gatherings hosted by volunteers from around the country just to bring families together and share stories and resources, just to to find people in their own neighborhoods who are dealing with the same things they are. They're wonderful opportunities. Everyone has just been so appreciative of them, and we actually have a couple coming up. We have one actually this Saturday at the Times Center in Bethesda, Maryland, um, hosted by Andrea Smith, and she holds one the second Saturday of every month. There's also one coming up in South Attleboro, Massachusetts, hosted by Julie Gortz, and, and then another one on Sunday, February 9th at Children's Hospital Los Angeles to kind of coincide with the clinical conference. So um, that's very exciting. And if anyone would like to host or would like more information on how to host, um, just give me an email at support at myoaction.org. Um, I will help you the whole way and do a lot of the behind the scenes work to um, get your social off the ground. And then just also wanted to mention that um, We do offer awareness kits that have uh, lots of materials that you can hand out to help other people uh, understand mitochondrial disease. There are some ideas on how to raise awareness, how to raise funds, and it's just a great way to get the word out about Mito. And if anyone would like an awareness kit, just email me at support at
1: mitoaction.org and I will get one out in the mail. And that's about Thank it. Thank you
0: so much. Thank you so much, Ginger. Uh, really appreciate you joining us today to share us with those things. And please email Ginger if she can uh, give, share some of that info with you. Okay. We are um, we have so much more to talk about, so I'm just going to plow ahead. So um, is anyone from Cortigen on the line with us right now? Okay, we'll check back in with them later. So I'm going to move on, and um, this is really a highlight of our year, was the Edison fb 743 trial. So, Dr. Klein, are you with us? I am, Christy. Okay, go ahead.
1: Thank you very much for this opportunity to provide an update on Edison's clinical efforts in developing treatments for children and adults with mitochondrial disease. As you all know, Edison was founded over eight years ago, with the singular purpose of developing a drug for people with mitochondrial disease and we've not wavered from this commitment, and we believe we are getting closer and closer each day. Let me first begin by providing an update on Edison's second drug, ETI589. epi 589 recently completed a Phase 1A trial with very favorable safety and pharmacology results and is now in a Phase 1D trial. We are very encouraged by the data collected to date on epi 589 and we plan on initiating phase two trials with API 589 in the second quarter of 2014. I'll spend the remainder of my uh, minutes providing an update on the clinical development status of Vincerinone, which most of you know is EPI 743. As of December 2013, over 300 patients with over 30 different genetic diagnoses have been treated with EPI 743 for over 135,000 total treatment days. That's 300 patients from six different continents around the world with 30 different diseases. The data accumulated to date suggests EPI 743 has been safe and well-tolerated. In 135,000 patient treatment days, we've had no toxicities related to the drug and there's only been one patient thus far who's been reported to have a possibly uh, related serious events. So, very, very encouraging. As we've outlined on previous calls, there are now eight ongoing EPI 743 clinical trials in the United States, in Europe, and Asia, including five randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled trials in RET syndrome, Friedrich's ataxia, cobalamin C, RET syndrome, as well as part of our innovative collaboration with the National Institutes of Health undiagnosed disease program. Details of all of these studies are available on clinicaltrials.gov. On previous calls, we spent uh, uh, some time discussing the pregis Ataxia and Leigh syndrome placebo-controlled trials, and I'm happy to update all of you that these studies are fully enrolled and progressing well. We expect to have results from the placebo-controlled trials in the next six to eight months, At which time, we'll be able to make decisions regarding the next steps in EPI-743 development for these diseases. So, what is next in 2014? Well, in the coming months, we're planning to initiate several new EPI-743 clinical trials in diseases including Pearson syndrome, the tooth defect, as well as a separate pediatric Friedrich ataxia study. We are aware that there are many patients and families interested in participating in Edison's trials and receiving treatment with EPI-743 and EPI-589. We appreciate your patience as we move as quickly and carefully as possible through the clinical development and regulatory processes. We encourage all of you to continue to contact us if you have any questions about ongoing trials or upcoming trials or ways to try to get involved in uh, any of these studies. And you can also check our website at www.edisonfarmer.com. That's www.edisonpharmaoneword.com, And you can sign up on the website under the contact page in order to make sure that you receive updates on EPI 743 and EPI 589 as they become available. So in summary, uh, EPI-589-Edison's second drug is moving through the early phases of clinical development with very encouraging results. To date, over 300 children and adults from six continents have been treated with EPI-743 for over 135,000 days and over 30, 30 diseases. We continue to rigorously evaluate EPI-743 in placebo-controlled clinical trials, and we plan on initiating several new trials in 2014. We're aware that there's a number of patients and families who'd like to become involved in trials, and each day we're looking at new and different diseases in which we can study EPI 743. Finally, I want to reiterate our gratitude to all the patients, families, foundations, and physicians who've been our cherished partners for over the last eight years. This has been a phenomenal journey as we move forward to develop the first drug for mitochondrial disease, and we as you all do, look forward to a very exciting twenty fourteen. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Klein, and what a wonderful way to set the stage for twenty fourteen with a new clinical trial. Gives us so much hope as a community. So thank you. All right, we're gonna hear next from Abby Brogan from ThriveRx. Abby, are you with us? Yes I am. Okay, go ahead, Abby. Uh, hi, I'm Patty Bergen. I'm the Outreach Coordinator for ThriveRx and a member of their Consumer Advocate Team. Uh, ThriveRx is a national infusion pharmacy providing nutrition support to individuals on TPN and or central feeds at home. Uh, at ThriveRx, we, pro- we strive to provide quality care that fosters independence and empowers our consumers and their families. And one of the best ways we do this is through our numerous educational programs and tools. One, The one that will speak the most of my graduate membership is our i online nutrition education series for consumers with gastrointestinal dysmotility. This program can be found on our website at thriverx.net. i thrive focuses on maximizing intestinal tolerance and minimizing central and natural nutrition needs. The series consists of online educational modules created as self-study units, which are designed so you can review like them at your own pace and on your own time. Each module includes a recording of the recording of the module presented in kind of a webinar form by the author of the program, and that's followed by question and answer sessions. New modules are periodically released and presented as a live webinar. The upcoming webinars we have this spring are GI Navi on February 12th at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and the next one we have is Differility Overview on April 9th at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Some of the previous topics that we have that are in the modules and webinar recordings are in the I-5 program. Those topics that are in there are, just sampling of them are the small bowel vector overgrowth module, liver health, and functional testing for disability. You can register for I-5 and access all the modules and webinars and register for upcoming webinars on our website at driverX.net. You can also reach us for more information via email at info at 5Rx.net or by phone at 774-270-3425. And that's our update for this spring. Thank you, Christy. Thank you so much. We're always excited to hear about those webinars and to see you at our MitoAction events, and uh, it's great to have you with us today. Uh, I'll call again. Is uh, John, are you there from Cortigen?
1: Yes, Christy can hear me.
0: Yes, we can. Welcome, John.
1: Uh, Hi, this is a gentleman from and Life Sciences, um, the president of sales and marketing. Um, In 2013, we continued to uh, build our internal um, infrastructure database by running um, mitochondrial-based patients on both our nuc-based assay and our mitochondrial-based assay. And uh, for every patient that we run, we collect valuable data within our internal database, which allows us to basically start, look for, for patterns and our tendencies with individual patients that have individual phenotypes, and and actually it helps uh, by every test that we end up running. It it helps with our overall call ratios on the database, but it also helps us for internal mining of trends and tendencies of uh, some of these patients, which ultimately helps with being able to work with the physician on suggestions of possible treatments or direction that they may want to go in working with their patients. Um, Part of this um, requires us to try to expand our knowledge base by um, getting more of the patient history prior to testing and then also work with the physicians um, post-testing to see what type of treatments that they did um, and the impact it had based on the testing that we offered. So in 2014, we are going to be putting some significant efforts in trying to capture that information on the patient's clinical data prior to testing. Uh, to include into our database, and then also have our genetic counselors reach out to the physicians to try to find the post-testing uh, changes in uh, patient care with that. And our feelings are that amassing that type of information of um, clinical data, and we're trying to work with Mital Action with their phone um, uh, application that they have, um, and then also uh, circle back with the treatment regimens post-testing um, will provide a, a significant value uh, added information for uh, trying to identify and uh, provide um, support to physicians on how to treat mitochondrial patients. On top of that, in 2014, we are also um, preparing to launch an assay that is a comorbidity assay targeted towards patients with um, ASD. And in the comorbidity panel, because of the research that we've been going into, of the ASD patients potentially have some form of mitochondrial-based disease. So,
2: our comorbidity
1: panel is actually going to be a a test panel that measures a number of um, different potential disease states that could be impacting the uh, autism-based patient um, that potentially could be treated or sorted out in order to focus on the actual development, that being physical therapy or speech therapy that is the traditional methods of um, working with patients. So, that test will be launched, I anticipate to two of this year, and um, there are some other tests that we have in the, the hopper um, that uh, are targeted towards mitochondrial, and as we uh, get those tests further on down the line and understand uh, their overall impact to the overall testing community, we will be launching that type of information. Other than that, we look forward to actually working with MitoAction again and sponsoring uh, a number of their programs and seeing everybody at the uh, various meetings.
0: Thank you so much for joining us, John, and uh, so exciting to see both the diagnostic side of things make it progress as clinical trials advance also. Um, it's such a great time for the MITRE community in that regard, so we appreciate the work that you guys do. So we're going to talk next about camps, and so joining us from Seattle is Emma Fear from Camp Corey. Emma, are you with us? Yeah. Oh, hi, Christy. Hi. hi. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for inviting me to participate in this meeting and talk a little bit about Camp Corey. Um, my name is Emma Thier and I am the camper recruiter at Camp Corey. Uh, Camp Corey is part of the Serious Fun Children's Network, which is a global community of camps and programs founded by Paul Newman. These camps, including Camp Cory, serve children with serious and life-altering medical conditions, and our programs are always free of charge. Camp Corey in particular is located in Carnation, Washington, and we serve over 400 campers each each summer. Uh, We serve children between the ages of 7 to 16 during their week-long summer programs. We give these children the chance to simply have fun and be kids by providing them with a safe, friendly, and medically sound environment. Some activities you might see um, our campers participating in each summer is um, arts and crafts, horseback riding, pool, um, and even our high ropes course. And all of our programs are also adaptable, um, are all adaptive, so everyone's allowed to participate in them, or is able to. Um, we began serving children with mitochondrial disease in 2009, and are one of the only camps in the country to serve these kids. This summer, we are excited to announce that children with mitochondrial disease are eligible to attend three different sessions of CAMP. Um, If you take a look on our website, which is campcorey.org, and COREY is spelled K-O-R-E-Y, so um, campcorey.org, you'll be able to see the different sessions that they're able to attend and the dates of those sessions. So um, they'll be listed as session two, three, and five, and all the dates are listed on our website again. Um, and um, we're so fortunate to have the support of Myo Action to make this possible for these children. Uh, we can't thank you guys enough for your enthusiasm for our programs. It's uh, really uh, it's so special having these kids come every summer. Uh, Not only do we serve children from Washington, but we also serve children from all over the country and the world, and um, we're also able to cover the cost of transportation for campers flying in from out of state. Uh, So on the basis that campers are accepted, we're able to cover the cost of flights for children with mitochondrial disease. Um, And for more information on our summer program and how to apply to camp, it's just campcory.org slash apply. Um, again, C-A-M-P-K-O-R-E-Y dot org slash apply. Um, but uh, our summer program wouldn't happen without our health care providers who know and understand uh, children with mitochondrial disease. Each session, we have doctors and nurses volunteer their time to make sure our campers are supported and have a medically-safe environment in which to have fun. The past two years, a Mito Specialist from Canada has volunteered her time and has truly become part of our Camp Corey family. She has made it possible for so many children with mitochondrial disease to not have to to worry about their meds, their food restrictions, and allow them to have a carefree week and be able to just play. Um, Each year, we're also looking for new medical volunteers. And to uh, find out more about volunteering at camp, you can check out our website, campcorey.org or feel free to give me a call at 425-844-3226 or email me at ephier at org. And all my information is also listed on our website. So if you guys have any questions um, or about our program or volunteering, feel free to
1: touch base with me.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Emma. You know, it's really um, one of my – things that I'm most proud about that we see these kids um, go to camp Corey every year and that my election helps to make that possible. And for anyone who attends our annual um, Derby Day fundraiser, which we spoke about in Boston on May 3rd, significant portion of the funds raised from that go to make it possible for these kids with Mito to attend camp. So thank you so much for the partnership opportunity. And you can reach out to Emma, and Ginger also has the information about Camp Corey if you want those forms to apply. She's also at support at mitoaction.org. So um, thank you so much, Emma, for that update. Uh, another exciting camp opportunity that I wanted to invite today is the Hole in the Wall Game Game camp in Connecticut. Christina, are you with us? Uh, yes, we are. Thank you. Sir. Go ahead. Um, as as uh, Emma just shared, uh, the Hole in the Wall Game Camp is uh, a network and a partnership with Camp Corey. We share the same mission and criteria, um, part of the Serious Fun Children's Network. Uh, but a little bit about the Hole in the Wall Game Camp. Uh, camp was founded in 1988 uh but a late actor Paul Newman and through all his philanthropic work that he did, uh wanted to create a place for kids to come just see kids and as he said wage a little hell. Uh so this is just a place for them as, as similar to Camp Corey's uh, programs, we do arts and crafts, boating and fishing, adaptive um uh adventure programs, uh and uh, goes on. So I like to call it classics camp. Um, and um We serve children with metabolic and mitochondrial disorders. Uh, We've been seeing this group since uh, 2008, Uh, so we're going on to our seventh summer of serving this population, and it's really been a joy and and growth that we've seen over the years uh, with a special group of kids. Um, We do see children ages 7 to 15 years old, um, and we also have uh, a program called Heroes Journey And that program is for teenagers ages 16 to 18 years old, um, also on camp and residential. Uh, As I said, it is residential, uh, seven days, uh, week-long program, all free of charge. Um, Similar to to many of our sister camps, we do provide transportation and assistance uh, for those needs of any families. But primarily, we serve children. And families uh, from the northeast, from Maine to Washington, D.C. is uh, generally our, our group of kids and out west of, I'd say, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And then after that, our, our another camp in Ohio picks up. <laughs> um, we also noticed that um, over the years, you know, very early on, that the undiagnosed child, the sibling, the brother and sister who, who uh, does not have a diagnosis also needs an opportunity to come to camp and have their own experience, so it helps them grow and nurture and foster a relationship with other children who are in similar circumstances as well as have that relational experience with that diagnosed child who had that camp experience. So I can't say enough about how important our sibling week program is. Um, and uh, as far as our medical care, we do have a dietary specialist. Uh, on staff in the summer to work with the families, the health care providers, and with our kitchen staff uh, for whatever particular dietary needs, whether it's a low protein diet or a certain carbs or whatever the situation might be, that dietary specialist is on hand and uh, available to make sure that the appropriate snacks and meals are supplied uh, for those children. And we even find out that what's important is when the, the timing of the food. That when the when the meals are served for the rest of the, the rest of the kids, that you don't have that one child waiting for their special meal. That the meals are served all at the same time. So it's little details like that that make it really special and a good experience for them to feel included. Um, and then uh, along with the dietary specialist, we have our medical and nursing uh, team uh, with uh, on call uh, medical director 24/7, on call nursing 24/7, and staff and unit nurses as well available on staff. Um, and then with me is Morgan, um, and she's, because can camp looks at it on a holistic level, um, so we, we want to focus on the child diagnosed. We want to focus on the brother and sister, and then uh, Morgan will talk about what we do for the families as, as a whole. So one of our upcoming oh, programs that we have in this thing is our Metabolic Family Weekend, and our weekends are a great way for the whole family to experience camp. Friday through Sunday and just gives the families uh, a time to, you know, just enjoy each other's company and have the camp experience. Um, So the ages of the child for the family weekend is 5 to 15 and siblings can be of any age. And so again, our upcoming metabolic uh, family weekend is on April 11th through the 13th. Applications um, for the family weekend as well as the summer um, applications are on our website. Uh, which is www.holeinthawallgang.org. Uh, if you have questions about the application or about camp, um, you can call our main line, uh, which is 860-429-3444 and we'd be more than happy to help with the application or to talk to you more about camp. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much, uh, Christina and Morgan from Hole in the Wall Gang Camp in Connecticut. It was great to have you joining us today. So uh, up next is uh, another exciting opportunity, maybe for some clinical trials in 2014, uh, hearing from Stealth Peptides and joining us is the CEO, Travis Wilson. Travis, are you with us?
1: I am, Christy. Thank you. Welcome. You know, it's great to have everyone join for this update call at the start of the year to kick off 2014, and Stealth is excited to be part of such a clinical group that's been moving forward and really advancing what we can do for children with mitochondrial disease and patients alike. This coming year, in 2014, we'll have one of our Phase two studies in acute coronary syndrome reading out toward the end of the year, um, this year, and that patient is, that study is a multinational clinical trial with European and U.S. sites, and we have over 250 patients enrolled to date. And we're looking to target 300 patients that will be enrolled in that study, and that will come out, as I mentioned, by the end of this year. We're also planning to initiate several new clinical trials in a number of different disease areas that are based on mitochondrial dysfunction or recorded disease. Most importantly, I think for the, this call today and for the mitochondrial disease community, we will be planning a study in Elhan patients, looking to begin that trial with Dr. Alfredo Seguin of USP later in the year, and that is something that we hope will be our first entry into trying to have treatment for those patients that everyone is concerned about on the call today. And we hope that is the first of many, and again, we look forward to being part of this community and helping more uh, with both patient awareness and potential new therapies for patients. Thank you so you much, Travis. Oh, you. go ahead. Oh, yes, no, I'm sorry, Christine, yeah, we appreciate the opportunity to be coordinating with NIDO Action and uh, the UMDS and other groups as we move forward. Thank you.
0: Wonderful. I was just going to jump in and say if anyone wants to learn more about Bendavia, Also, we did a recent uh, teleconference on that, which you can find on our website or on the podcast, which is um, really good. So I encourage you to listen to that, talk about Vendavia if you haven't already. So thank you, Travis, for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Kristen.
0: All right. Now, calling in from Colorado. We have um, Maria and Heather, who are representing Miracles for Mito. Uh, Ladies, are you with us? Yes. Okay, great. Welcome. welcome. Yes, go ahead. So I will start out. I'm Maria Hopfgarten and I'm the president of the nonprofit Miracle Tomato. And together with Heather Schistel, we started Miracle Tomato three years ago. Her daughter, Samantha, had just passed away from a mitochondrial disease. And my son, Jacob, was four years at the time and was facing many medical challenges due to his mitochondrial disease. And he is still facing them today. And after met in the corridors of children, we didn't know anyone who had walked in our shoes. And when we met, we wanted to make sure that no mitochondrial family had to walk this journey alone again. So today, Miracle for Mido is supporting families living with mitochondrial disease in the Rocky Mountain region. And we have reached out to about 100 mitochondrial individuals and families so far. Families are traveling from all corners of Colorado as well as from out-of-state to attend our support meetings. We meet once a quarter for three to four hours, and we are able to bring in my specialist physicians to each of our events, bringing awareness and education to our families. And we have about fifty to 60 people attend each of our events. And in between these meetings, we stay connected via social media help and calls. And our next support meeting is gonna be on April 5th. And for more details, you can go to our Facebook page or our website. Last year, we launched a family grant program, which we're very excited about. We are able to step in and help families financially when no insurance or Medicaid will help them. And we are supportive families in purchasing everything from handicapped vans to stair lifts, scooters, and we also give out grants for rested care. We also have a meals program, so we do deliver meals to families who are in the hospital, and we typically deliver three to five meals per month. We are also closely connected to the Mitochondrial Clinic at Children's Colorado. They refer families to us and we are meeting with families in the hospital when there is a need as well. We also bought the clinic, the mitochondrial handbook, written by Christy, so every new patient seen in the MITO Clinic will get a copy of the book for free. And for more information on Miracle Promido and upcoming events, uh, you can go to our website, www.miraclesformido.org, and we also have a Facebook page, Miracles for Mido. And just to quickly summarize what we have coming up, we have our next support meeting coming up on April 5th, and then we typically do a picnic in the June timeframe, and then we do a bigger event during the Mido by next week. We also have our annual MITRE walk coming up in May, and then we also do a silent auction dinner in the early fall. Several exciting things are coming up. I know we have very little time, so I also want to hand over to Heather Kiesfeld, Director of Miracles for MITRE, and she will talk about the extension of Miracles for from its for financial. Heather? Thank you, Maria. Can everyone hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Welcome, right. thanks, Kristy. Um, so we have been fortunate in the last three years, as Maria said, to um, establish Miracles for Mido, and our primary goal with that has been to really support the families who are going who are going through this in the Rocky Mountain region. Um, we have another event, um, which is through the Courage Classic. As Maria said, we're very um, – we're associated with Children's Hospital in Colorado. Um, the Courage Classic is one of their big fundraisers. It's a three-day, 150-mile bike ride um, through the Colorado Mountains. It's pretty It's pretty expensive. Um, It's a big fundraiser for them, and they have placed a caveat that if teams raise over $50,000 every year, they're able to earmark where they want the money to go. And so we thought, what the heck, let's try this. And in 2012, we were able to raise over $80,000, and we directed that to um, the mitochondrial clinic at Children's Hospital Colorado. Through that money, we've been able to... um, to support the North American Mitochondrial Disease Consortium. So Colorado is now participating in that database. Um, We provide our families with ubiquinol. If they need that, they can just go to the mitochondrial clinic and um, they'll write a prescription for them. In 2013, we said, well, let's try this again, let's see if we can do it, and we were able to raise $90,000, and um, that will be going directly to fund the research within the mitochondrial clinic in Colorado. Um, we work closely with Dr. Van Hova, and we will be funding. Um, they have a clinic side that sees the patients, and we will be funding the research side, and they've made um, some great strides and um, done some fabulous research that will be um, introduced in the next couple of years that we are so excited to be a part of. Um, So we're really lucky we're able to support the families, and we're also able to support the hospitals um, through the research. And we're gearing up for 2014 and hoping that um, we we can make those goals happen again. Wow, so much that you guys are doing. Congratulations on the years that you're there in Colorado and all you're doing for the families. And thank you so much for joining us today. Um, okay, we're going to hear next from the Foundation for Mitochondrial Medicine in Atlanta. Laura, uh-huh. are you with us? Okay, we'll come back to Laura. So um, next I'm going to talk for a moment about... Uh, Hello, what Oh, Laura, are you... Yeah, sorry. I guess I had not appropriately unmuted. (laughs) Okay, no problem. So, great. Please go ahead, Laura. Welcome. Sure. Great. I'm the Executive Director for the Foundation for Mitochondrial Medicine in Atlanta, and I think I have with me uh, Jennifer Grizzle, who uh, manages our communications, but we're happy to join today. I think just to highlight really um, significant um, program for us this past year has been a partnership, a joint venture co-funded research partnership with the Alzheimer's Drug Discovery Foundation out of New York that was founded by the Estee Lauder family, and it's exciting that you have organizations um, of related disease groups very interested in the mitochondria, and so we have partnered with them to drive innovative translational research for mitochondrial dysfunction, and um, has uh, selected a recipient for a two hundred thousand dollar grant um, that will be awarded here in two thousand fourteen. So we're in final stages of um, the contract and that sort of thing. So be on the lookout for that announcement here going forward. Um, here in the first quarter, uh, we expect two thousand fourteen to hold more. Um, collaborative partnerships like this, particularly on the Translational Research front, And then, like um, many of you described, we'll be hosting regional awareness and fundraising events uh, in a variety of different areas, whether it's here in Atlanta or um, Indiana, Maine, Florida, Arizona. Um, So you can check our website for details on those uh, events and uh, look forward to collaborating with everyone going forward. Wonderful. And, Laura, tell us your website, again, okay, please. Sure. It's uh, www.mitochondrialdiseases.org. Uh, you can also look at hopeflies.org. I'll take you to the same place. Great. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing that update. Good. Thank a lot you. A great, great progress in the research. Super. Okay. Nice. Uh, we're going to talk for a moment now about uh, the third week in September and Mitochondrial Disease Awareness Week. Um Lidolite for Mito is a day in Mitochondrial Disease Awareness Week that happens the third week in September. So, this year, the Lidolite for Mito is on September 17th. I just wanted to make you all aware of that because it's a really important day for our community. Uh, The day that we celebrate Lidolite for Mito is the day that we all stop and remember the children and adults and loved ones that we have lost to mitochondrial disease. And, you know, it's really important that as we join together as a community, we not only celebrate the lives of those who are living and and affected by the disease, but we also celebrate the lives of those that we we cherish and we remember and we honor their memory. So I ask you all to start thinking now about what you can do in your community to help celebrate light a Light for Mito. Sometimes people turn their porch light green, Sometimes people have a um, candlelight vigil in someone's honor. Um, Sometimes people just ask at a school, for example, for the lights to be turned off for a moment during the day. Um, Whatever you do, it's, it's a great way to ask your community to join with us to raise awareness about mitochondrial disease and to remember those that we've cared for so much who've lost their fight to mitochondrial disease. And then that part, that is part of Mitochondrial Disease Awareness Week, which, as I said, is the third week in September, kicking off on September 14th. So you should all be aware of that and be, you know, looking ahead to ways that you can do things in your community to help raise awareness about mitochondrial disease. And I know that you can reach out to us as well as any of these other Mito organizations represented today to get some ideas and to get involved because um, truly these awareness efforts have made a great difference. And um, we see that in the number of people now that reach out that say, I heard about Mito or and When you go to your school or to the doctor's office, and they say, "Oh, I've heard of Mito before," so you're you're doing a great job as a community, and we can continue to work together. So save the date, September 14th through 21st. Uh, next up on our agenda, I'm going to hear from one of our volunteers to talk about the Mito 411 and Marshall's Way program. Julie, are you with us?
2: I am. I'm um, okay. here. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Um, I'd like to share a bit about Mido, Mido411 and Monsal's Way, which are both offered through Mido Action. Uh Mido411 is a safe place for people to call in who wish to find support in their daily dealings with Mido. It's a place where they can call and they can find guidance towards information so they can wrap their heads around the overwhelming complexities of Mido. Mido411 is staffed by volunteers and it's a free service for the callers. The volunteers may be adult patients, a parent of a child with Mito, or another caregiver. In any case, they have been down the bumpy road in Mito and able to offer support and understanding to the caller. In my experience, these volunteers have been more than eager in wanting to help the caller the best way they can. If information is not readily available, I've seen volunteers go well out of their way in searching until they've came up with something that may help the caller. 4 one is not intended to extend medical advice. If a call comes through in that nature, the person is guided to consult with his or her physician. A person thing call MITO 4 one is speak with someone who really understands what they're saying. There is a personal connection between the two because of their mutual interest in MITO. College may be an adult patient or a parent of a child with MITO. They might also be a teacher, a nurse, or a physician looking to make a better plan of care for the student or their patient. A volunteer can offer a physician or a nurse practitioner guidance to have helpful links on the MitoAction website, including the Commission's Guide to the Management of Mitochondrial Disease. People call into MITO 411 for various reasons. Many different scenarios from questions regarding supplements in the MITO cocktail, inquiries about physicians specializing in MITO, friends and family members looking for basic information as they're just trying to understand how to help. They may just need to be able to talk and let out their fears and their concerns for the impartial heart, excuse me, who gets uh, what they're facing. Now, maybe you would like to be a part of this volunteer network. If you'd be interested in being a volunteer, please email mito411 at mitoaction.org. If you know someone who can use support, have him call 888-MITO-411, which is 888-648-6411. Sometimes people crawl in also because they just cannot afford something. Sometimes they're speaking of the supplements recommended by their physicians or trying to fit in the cost into an already tight budget. Sometimes they're trying to deal with travel expenses to get to a physician or a clinic specializing in relation to Mito. They might require a piece of medical equipment. In many cases, someone just needs a financial boost to get through. Then we're able to offer the availability of MotsAlturex. Marshall's Way is a program that's made to offer for those with mitochondrial disease with a direct financial support. It is based on the idea to promote health or provide relief to those who are affected by Mito through one-time grants. These grants are awarded to a family who may be struggling financially. These families may be trying to adjust to the added expense of needed medications and medical equipment. They may have medications that are not covered by insurance. They may need a wheelchair or other medical device. They may need to modify their home to adapt to a disability. The grant school mito is available to people living in the U.S. who have a definitive or strong suspicion of mito. If you know of somebody who can use assistance, have him or her go to the mito action, Org, put MySau's Way into the search bar at the right top and upload the application. The application is easy to fill out and required documentation is explained right at the site. If anyone would like to donate to this fund and help in MitoAction's mission to improve quality of life for all who are affected by mitochondrial disorders, you can do this also through the MitoAction website. MySau's Way is a great program for financial assistance and a bit of a peace of mind. And again, to volunteer at MitO 411, just email MitO 411 at MitOAction Thank
0: you. Thank you so much, uh, Julie. And Julie is a volunteer, and so Julie, you did a great job representing those programs, and appreciate all that you do as a volunteer. Uh, okay, next I'm going to see if our, we have a couple of physicians who are going to try to join us, if they're clinic patients allowed, um, to give us just some updates on their research and on their studies. So um, let me just see if they're with us yet. Dr. Bowles, are you with us?
1: I oh, am. Yeah.
0: Okay, welcome. Would we'll Introduce yourself yeah. and talk a little about things happening this year. That would be great.
1: Um, I'm Dr. Richard Bowles, I am Medical Director of Cortigen that you've heard from John already but I also have a busy mitochondrial clinic at Children's Hospital Los Angeles and I'm faculty at Um, um We've been sequencing all of the genes involved in energy metabolism, that's about 1,200, the entire mitochondrial DNA and a very large part of the chromosomes. Um, and we've been particularly interested in looking, well we look at everything to anyone who has any mitochondrial we problems. Really particularly interested in the functional ones, whose mitochondrial disease often has what we call functional complaints, pain, fatigue, GI abnormalities, dysautonomia. We've also been looking at ones with seizures and autistic spectrum disorders and the PANS-like spectrum in which somebody has a neurological deterioration often following what looks like a viral illness or streptococcus or something like that. We've looked at about a 1,000 patients so far, and we've come up to some real exciting things that we found. Um, first of all, is that so the energy metabolism involves a very large part of biology. We've been finding channels, or which are like tubes through the cell in which salts move back and forth, that defects in those are very common in people that have energy metabolism problems, and many times they're treatable. We've also been finding... Um, proteins that move other proteins around that are needed for mitochondria called chaperones, um, neurotransmitters, and the ribosomes that actually make the protein from the mitochondria, um, components that nobody's really looked at before that we're finding mutations in very frequently. So some examples are um, sodium channel defects um, that cause dysautonomia, pain, fatigue, that are treatable with certain medications. Um, chaperone, particularly a new disorder that we found, trap one which is very common, causes fatigue, dysautonomia, pain, and GI problems, um, treatable with very high doses of particular antioxidants, um, and some, again, in some causes that cause ticks, um, obsessive compulsive disorder, and sort of a hands-like picture of deterioration. So, what's been most surprising is that um, we have a very high hit rate in figuring out what's wrong, but also treatment has been very helpful um, most of the patients in my clinic have exact diagnosis now and I'd say well over half of them are on specific treatment based on their molecular diagnosis and doing better so this has been an exciting time
0: Wow that's great thank you so much Dr. Bowles, for providing that update oh, looking welcome. forward to hearing more throughout the year uh, and Dr. Goldstein are you with us I am here can you hear me mm-hmm. right yes we can welcome Thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me uh, to participate in this call today, Christy. Um, so I'm Amy Goldstein. I'm a child neurologist at the University of Pittsburgh and Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh, and I run a mitochondrial disease clinic here. Um, and in addition, I'm involved in several other projects, and I just want to give people an update on mm-hmm. these other projects. Um, earlier on the call, Cliff Gorty mentioned um, that the next UMDF meeting will be here in Pittsburgh, and we've put together a fabulous meeting, uh, both on the uh, scientific side and as well as the family side. So we're very excited to have that meeting take place. And we are still finalizing some of the family uh, topics. And so if there are any burning desires to have a specific topic presented in, um, I would like people to, to please get in touch with me so we can uh, see. kind of what I would like to make sure speakers are there um, who the families need to hear from. Uh, the second
2: thing that I want to mention is that I'm uh, also the Secretary Treasurer of the Mitochondrial Medicine Society, and Sumit Parikh uh, from Cleveland Clinic has
0: been the president for this uh, past uh, cycle, and he's been very, very productive. Um, earlier this year, we were uh, able to publish two surveys, and we did surveys of all of the mitochondrial physicians in North America, and um, those are available through PubMed, and we wanted to hear from physicians about their practice styles, uh, how they use the cocktail, what type of workup they do on their patients, and uh, and it was very, very interesting data. We are now currently working on consensus statements, and this has been quite an undertaking. We have many physicians involved with many subgroups, and um, I'll give you an example. I've worked on two subgroups. One is to take a look at tissue histology, so what do we look for on muscle biopsy, what do we look for on liver biopsy. If a doctor who is not as familiar with mitochondrial disease were going to undertake these studies, Uh, we're trying to come up with some consensus materials that will be available uh, through a publication so that that doctor can tell the pathologist, make sure you do these stains, make sure that these other tests are ordered. Um, because it will be um, all the practice files of doctors um, currently in North America. Um, so I'm working on the tissue pathology um, subgroup. The other subgroup I'm working on is anesthesia and surgical precautions. And so we will have guidelines for people to look at for uh, anesthesiologists everywhere for uh, taking care of mitochondrial disease patients um, through surgery or prior to the procedure. Um, the topics range from... Um, six days, um, and how to manage uh, when people have an intercurrent illness, to um, exercise, to diet, um, to pulmonary, cardiology, renal. So we're covering a very wide variety of topics, and again, um, those consensus statements we hope to publish later this year. Um, I'm also uh, the site um, PI here in Pittsburgh for NAMBAC, and um, the North American Mitochondrial Disease Consortium uh, was mentioned um, by uh, a few other people earlier on the call, um, and this continues um, to be a very um, big effort. Uh, people are continuing to enroll patients. I think that um, patients with mitochondrial disease all know about NAMDAC, and if not, then we need to continue to get the word out for people to register. Um, it's it's um, going to be the biggest database um of patients with mitochondrial disease and we'll be able to do a lot of uh, different work through that consortium. Uh, there are research studies that are now open within NAMDAC. Rob Sunito in Seattle have put together the Outburst Disease Natural History Study. Sunit uh, Creek will be running the current sair Pearson Marrow Natural History Study. Michio um, Hurano at Columbia already has uh, his Mingi uh natural history study. And so we're going to continue to evolve the natural history studies. And NamDEC is also starting to find some other clinical research projects uh, that may not be formally announced yet, but it, um, they will that will be on the NAMDEC website very shortly. Um, and finally, the last thing I want to mention is um, the Common Data Elements project. And so Through the NIH, through the NINDS, which is the National Institute for Neurologic Disorders and Stroke, there is a project going on called the Common Data Elements Project, and there are several other diseases that are already um, have their VEEs formulated. Um, Basically, um, well, first of all, I want to say uh, thanks to Petra Kaufman at the NINDS. Um, She has helped put together this project for mitochondrial disease. Uh, Common Data Elements means that we have scientifically um, selected particular outcomes to be gathered for any clinical research project or study. And the purpose of this is so that when we have a bunch of studies that are somewhat related but have been conducted differently or separately, that if the same outcome measures have been gathered, then we can then compare those studies to each other. And one of the biggest problems we've had so far in research is you, you did a, a search, and this has been done by Patrick Chinnery and published as the Cochrane Review, he found that over in over 2,000 published studies on mitochondrial disease that very few of them used the same outcome measures, and, and it was very hard to prove that any medication or supplement aid is effective um, because they they couldn't compare these studies to each other. And they're all very small studies because relatively speaking, one center. This is a rare disease, but if we can gather um, the numbers across the world and have the same outcome measures utilized, then we'll be able to have um, better strength with our clinical trials. So if you wanted to read about the um, common data elements some more, if you Google common data elements, it pops up. The website is actually um, www.commondataelements.ninds.nih.gov, so it's ver- very long. But if you type in Common Data Elements, um, then you can find it. There are already posted um, CDEs for pre ataxia, ALS, uh, which is Lou disease, headache, um, different um, myopathies, um, muscular dystrophy. And so it those gives you, if you wanted to browse on a website, it gives you an idea of what the, what the website is going to look like. But, again, anyone who's putting together a clinical trial will then be able to go to the website and see what other people have used for their outcome measures and then be able to make sure that they include those in their trial. So that's, that's a brief uh, review of everything that I know is going on from, from the clinical end for these projects. That's so, so, so great. Thank you so much, um, Amy, for that update. And I just wanted also to share the Mitochondrial Medicine Society website, also, because there's some great information there. Do you want to share that, Amy, or do you want me? Oh, to yes, that's have... oh, great. No, I think it's mitosoc.org. Right? www.mitosoc.org. Uh, great information there. Definitely a place you also could refer your physicians to look for more info also. So thank you so much, Dr. Goldstein, for that update. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. So we're all over the country here um, on our call today. So uh, I'm hoping that Jill from the Northwest Mito Guild was able to join us. Jill, are you with us? Yep, I'm here, Christy. Super. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, So, Christy, I'm the... uh, head of the Mitochondrial Research Guild and what we are is we're a special interest guild of Seattle Children's Hospital. The guild was formed by a group of families in the Seattle area that were working together to raise awareness about MITO, promote research, and improve the quality of medical care that's available to children at Seattle Children's Hospital. We were founded back in 2002. And uh, since that time, we've grown from supporting one Mito specialist, specialist at Seattle Children's, and that's Dr. Russ Cimado, to now having a team of specialists both at the hospital and Seattle Children's Research Institute. For those of you on the phone, some of the researchers you might know and have worked with include Dr. Uh, Morgan, Dr. Sedensky, Dr. Hahn, and then our most recent addition, who we're very excited about, is Dr. Quintana. Uh, um, our priorities this year are, uh, we're focused on a family grant program. Uh, we launched this program last year, and it's very similar to the Miracles for Mito program. Uh, we provide grants and funding to families for expenses that aren't covered by other purposes. Uh, these are for families that are currently being seen at Seattle Children's Hospital, and the program is actually administered through the hospital, and we provide the funding. Um, we are um, continuing to support our uh, the camps at Camp Cory, and we're very appreciative of everything Camp Quarry does for uh, the families in Northwest. Um, we also have uh, several annual event- events for families that include, like, our annual Mito Picnic. And then um, we're supporting all of our researchers through a variety of programs. Uh, we do research grants as well as uh, funding postdoc positions. Uh, and funding part of the salaries of some of the researchers at the, at the Research Institute. And then lastly, we're focused on uh, this year, we're planning the uh, second uh, Northwest Mito Summit. We had one two years ago where we brought Mito experts from around the world uh, together for two days, and we're planning another one again for this year in September, since September 11th, 12th, and 13th. And uh, the focus this year will be on uh, organ-specific involvement of mitochondrial diseases in their treatment. And then the third day will be a family day. uh, And um, the uh, individuals, the researchers and experts that are there for the scientific days will stay and uh, we'll do a family program on that Saturday. Um, This is all coinciding with our annual fundraiser, Uh, which is the um, Cure for Mito Auction. This is our 12th year, and we'll be having that on the night of September 13th. So uh, it's going to be a very busy time in September. Um, For additional uh, information about the Guild and everything we're focused on, you can go to our website at www.nwmito-research.org. Uh, and then I can also be reached at j.herzog, and it's h-e-r-c-z-o-g at northwestmito-research.org. So that's really – that's all I had today. Uh, Great. And Thank you so much. That's, that's certainly plenty, Jill. It sounds like yeah. you guys are going to be very busy this year. Um, yep. You know, I, I just have to take pause and say how – awesome it is to hear, you know, so many educational meetings, so many groups working to help families, so many, you know, companies working so diligently to um, make advances, doctors, you know, pulling the candle at both ends to really make sure that they're serving the patients and contributing to the field. It, I hope that it, all, it fills all of you with as much um, inspiration as it does me. Uh, so I've invited um, now, next on our agenda, uh, Lisa from MitoCanada and Sean from the Australian Mitochondrial Disease Foundation. I'm not sure if they're with us because I know that there's some time zone differences. So Fine, let's yeah. just check. So there's Lisa. Okay, great. Okay. Welcome, Lisa. Glad to have you with us. Thank I'll you. let you go ahead then. Go ahead. Okay. My name is Lisa Bell, and I'm the support team leader for MitoCanada. And first of all, I just want to thank you for allowing me the opportunity to speak today. Um, Since the meeting last year, I'm happy to say that Mito Canada has secured office space located in Brantford, Ontario. One of the programs recently launched that I am extremely excited about um, is our Mito Male Pal program. It's a great way to have children affected by Mito and or their siblings to connect throughout the year and not just at special events. The age range is 3 to 12. It has been well-received, and I look forward to seeing where it will go from here. For more information, you can see our website at www.mitocanada.org under Support Programs. Another, um, We had our first support network meeting on November 3rd in Ontario, the McMaster Hospital region. We had a good turnout. Um, I sent out a survey for feedback on what our families, We're wanting from a support network, and with the feedback that was received, I'm currently working on a support network in a box with a goal to be rolled out to our facilitators in all provinces by the end of 2014. So it's basically all the tools needed to facilitate the support network. And again, if you want any more information, you can go to our website, www.mitokinada.org. Thank you. Thank you so much, Risa, for that update, and uh, wonderful to hear from from you and to hear of those opportunities for folks right there in Canada also wonderful. Thank you. Um, And so, Sean from the AMBF, are you able to be with us? Okay, it's it's 5 o'clock in the morning for Sean, because he's in Australia, so um, I'll call on him one more time. But if you're interested in that information or have friends that would be, please know that I'll update that on our website. Along with all of the information today, I'll be able to update these links and information that was shared in summary that you'll find on the town meeting page on the website. So if you went to our homepage right now you would see the link for the 2014 Mito Town Meeting, and then we'll work hard over the next week or so to update details on that page. So you can refer back to it throughout the year. Um, So one of the last things I'm going to talk about on our agenda is a brand-new initiative within Mito Action, but not just Mito Action, but the Mito community as a whole, and that's the Advocacy Task Force. Um, so, the the publicity surrounding the case of Justina politeer in November and December of this last year really brought us to become more aware that we've been hearing from families for quite some time that they needed advocacy and needed help um, when it comes to handling allegations as well as to being placed in a position of being the middleman between care Um, And so we've never been sure exactly what to do, and we've also struggled to validate the problem on a more national level. Um, And so while this case is actually very tragic, the the silver lining is that it helps to galvanize the community. So we're working right now behind the scenes on an application for the Advocacy Task Force, and we'll put that out probably at the end of this month and anyone who is interested in becoming involved. I'm particularly seeking people who have uh, professional backgrounds potentially matched with their personal experience, legal, medical, um, so forth, that you can contribute to the committee. Um, And so that will be outlined in the application, and we hope to be able to do um, some good work in the years to come, including a research study and including providing a network that will um, give some guidance for families and some immediate assistance when necessary. What also evolved from that was a collaborative effort on demonstrating as a mitochondrial disease community that we really do stand together, and so I also encourage you to read the leadership creed. That is um, also, you can find the link right on the home page of MitoActions' website. It's also on the UMBS website, and we continue to gather signatures from um, physicians and leaders of organizations like those that you heard today who um, say that, you know, as a community, we stand up for those patients and families with mitochondrial disease, and we commit and pledge to do our best to advance the field of medicine and to provide the best care possible that we can. So I encourage you to read that and uh, and let these words inspire us to do good work in 2014. You know, sometimes mitochondrial disease can leave us feeling defeated, and it's those times when actually we need to stand together to make even more progress so that we can make the journey better for all of those who are going to follow us. Um, So I – I'm excited to announce that we're at the end of our speakers for the day, and um, I'm going to open up the line now for anyone that would like to also make comments, because there are probably other groups that I um, I missed, and so we'll certainly give those people a chance to talk. But let me just take a pause at this moment and say thank you to all of the people who called in from around the, the globe today to contribute and to listen. We're so grateful for the things that you're doing. So if you're able to stay on, we'll chat for a little longer. I'm going to open up the line now for people to ask questions and make additional announcements who didn't have a chance to be on the agenda. But if you do have to jump, we thank you for joining us today. Bear with me. I'm just going to unmute the call. Okay. So um, at this time, I'll let anyone... Uh, virtually raise their hand, if you will, if you have an announcement or something to share or a question that you'd like to ask. So, um, anyone have an announcement that they'd like to make? Yes, Christy. This is Christine Knox from Victoria Beach for Canada. Hi. Go ahead, Christine. Hi. I just wanted to uh, let everyone know about the uh, new project I launched last August in preparation for uh, Mito Awareness Week, and it is uh, Quilts of Hope. Um, and so, what the aim of my project is, is to uh, bring awareness to the greater community uh, about mitochondrial disease by educating, uh, <coughs> pardon me, quilters about it and having them make quilts and donate them to uh, patients with mitochondrial disease. So we've launched a website. It's uh, org and. People can register to receive a quilt uh, if they ha- are diagnosed with mitochondrial disease, or quilters can also go on there to register to make a quilt, and uh, and then I'll I'll match up the the makers with the receivers and and uh, get quilts out to people as soon as we can. That's great. What a wonderful program and Christine, I um, ad- admire your creativity and passion to get that started. Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks, Christine. Anyone else have an announcement that they'd like to make? Okay, great. And any questions that um, folks would like to ask? Okay, so I guess we were pretty thorough then, huh? So um, I'm just going to remind everyone that today's call was recorded, and you can find this call as well as many others at, on the iTunes podcast page for MitoAction. Uh Also, if you haven't already used MitoAction's Action's app, I encourage you to download that. Um, at this time, it's only available for Apple devices, but it would be uh, a great way to help you track your symptoms and your medicines, and is John Lenan from Cortigen mentioned earlier, we're working on some updates that are really exciting on that, on 2014. And finally, if you're new to this community and happen to join in, it's a very overwhelming um, disease, and I encourage you to um, check out a copy mm-hmm. of my book, Living Well with Mitochondrial Disease, um, you know, really written to help the patients mm-hmm. and families who are new to the disorder or just to go back and remind yourself kind of step one, step two, step three as you manage this disease. So, as always, if I can be of assistance to you, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. My email is director at mitoaction.org. Join me in thanking all of our speakers today and everyone who's doing great work for the mitochondrial disease community. And Happy New Year. We look forward to a great 2014. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Christy. Thanks,
0: Christy. Thank you. Bye-bye. you. Mm-hmm.